On this episode of Quantum Week, March 29th through April 4th, 1987. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leave it to a random week of a random year and talk about movies, music, headlines, and uh, we are in the Patreon episode of our um, of March 1987 uh, with Platoon and Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. I think that's the first time you've ever started the show with I'm Always Chris. Oh, mixing up a little bit. Change up. Patreon. It, go wild. Go uh, Woohoo. <laughs> go wild. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon here. We're, uh, mm-hmm. Where? You're a li- you're, yeah, you're a, little, you're a little tired today. You are too. I'm fine. I'm always ready to go for our shows. You know this. <sighs> You know I'm ready to go. I hate you so much. <laughs> Why do you hate me? Because I have Surely excitement and passion for life. And just you. I have good energy. Just you. me. Just you. You're the crankiest motherfucker. I'm not. You're so cranky. Great guy. A great guy, but cranky. Mm. Yep. Uh, today a little bit. It's just. It's just. Uh, the rain. It is rain. The rain, man. Fucking rain. Forever this summer. It's all rain. It's yeah. all. Well, it's just this month. Yeah. Rainiest month in New Hampshire history, and um, or I'm sorry, rainiest. Excuse me, July, New Hampshire history. Yeah, over ten inches of rain. Uh, it's just, I'm just, I'm just it's tired a lot. Of it. it really is a lot. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's, I'm just groggy. Especially after yesterday was so beautiful, and we were both yesterday out last night. Great. And I was outside, like at a bar, outside the bar, and uh, it was beautiful all night. Seventy two degrees or something in Portsmouth. Yesterday, beautiful. Yesterday went top five days of the year. Yeah, definitely. People are hearing this, of course. We're taping this like a week ahead of time. People, all right. I don't know <laughs> where we are when we are. Um. Yeah, by the time you're hearing this, the Kirk Minahan show would have already happened yesterday. But uh, we haven't, um, we haven't even taped that yet. We're we don't know how it went. Uh, so uh, hopefully, it went well. Um, we are gonna. So next week, we next week you're gonna get a full run of shows. See, so we're gonna be going to 1992, and you're gonna be getting uh, Wayne's World, this is yeah. a free show, and then the Patreon show is Basic Instinct. And then the following week, we will not be doing a free show, but we will be doing a Patreon show, and uh, that is going to be. Uh, my cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna stay in that week in 1992 for, for I guess for two weeks. We know we talked about this. Chris is going away a lot of uh, August, and he just doesn't care about you guys like <laughs> I do. So we're gonna well, have to drop one of the shows. I care about because we're getting the shows. I guess <laughs> I don't care about the free crowd. I guess right. much. But uh, don't tell them. Yeah. No. I uh, right. I'm just I'm just going away a ton. And yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, just it's sort of caught up with us. I mean, we we yeah. both have been away a bunch over the last few months anyway. And it is it, just like we had to do a lot of extra shows in a short amount of time. And it just kind of caught up with us. This will be a good little little break. I'm away every weekend for five weekends in a row. And then but then once Labor Day hits, even once the weekend week before that hits, I'm home. Yeah. Like I'm, and I'm really not going. I think, I, I think we have plans to go away one weekend until until the live show. Uh, so really, I, I'm definitely home for good. Especially now I'm starting a job. So there you go. Yeah, that's your anchor to this area. Yeah, I'll be home. So yeah, we, we kind of planned everything to do in August because we figured I wouldn't be working, but then I ended up getting a job sooner than we had anticipated. And now my whole entire schedule is just, it's just madness. Blame and the dogs I'm, and, like, and the cats. I'm not going to be able to handle it. You because, don't think so? You're going to be... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be fine. But, like, it's just, like, I'm so used to, like, this kind of the last year <laughs> habit is kind of, like, just chilling out. And all of a sudden, I go from, you know, zero to 90. Yeah, up. that's the shitty it's part. Like, fuck. Is all, it's, it's nothing to all. I used to have, like, I have my calendar. I have a little planner that I write, like, a manual planner. I write stuff out on because I'm old. Yeah. And, uh, like, I had months where I had, like, you know, two or three things in there. I'm like, oh, this is great. And now it's, like, every single day is, like, multiple things. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> This you're is gonna, not good. You're gonna. You're, you'll be so busy. 
I'm either busy or on vacation. Yeah. Like, every single day. It's going to be such a weird, like, it's going high the entire month. But it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing. But today we're here to talk about Platoon and... Uh, Nothing's going to stop us now by yeah. Starship. Yep. Uh, should we go with Platoon first? Great use of music. Really oh sets the mood brilliantly. I never, and I play it throughout the entire movie. I never get bored of it. Never. Um, beautiful. Uh, and perfect for what this movie is. Yeah. Um, as soon, I forgot. As soon as I heard yeah. that beginning, like it just snapped me right back into this movie. Uh, that is like one of the most iconic scores ever. And it's um, it's a piece by Samuel Barber. It's Adagio for strings. And and uh, you're right. It just it kind of encompasses the 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 entire movie. So because of that, you couldn't, it was not eligible for any awards. Yeah, right. Because it's not an original score. Yeah. So that's why it did not uh, win anything, but, um, you know, find me uh, a better, you know, more haunting piece of music, um, especially for something like this. It worked perfectly, which is really a great touch by Oliver Stone. We've seen this a number of times. You set a movie in the Vietnam War, boom, you have, you know, you know, Buffalo Springfield, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the hits, you know, right. like, uh, it's like, no, this is run through the jungle. You know, yeah, I mean, all the, you know, the Forrest Gump soundtrack, yeah. basically. You, you get, you know, yeah, blaring yeah. at you yeah. uh, to remind you, hey, it's the Vietnam War, <laughs> right. guys, um, where this d- chooses a different uh, tack. It's much more, uh, much more, poetic. way more effective. I mean, you do get that, that 60s and 70s song, though you get some of those so- 60s right, songs. You do. But it's like when they're, when like, they're, hanging out. When they would actually be listening to them. Exactly. They, it's organic. It's way more appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Then, you know, the, right. You wouldn't, you don't hear Jimi Hendrix or, you know, when you're actually on, when you're actually on the battlefield. No, you it's, don't. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's such audience, you know, gratification. It's it like, is. Well, all right, that's not, that's not what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, with this mood being so haunting. Having said that, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen movies since I was a kid. It's the first time I've seen it in a long time. Me too. I, di- I didn't love it. I, I, I like it. I will recommend this. I'm going to give this, uh, it's hard. I mean, I'm going to give this a B. Uh, it's just not something that, um, hit me maybe as hard as it would maybe hit other people. I'm not, I'm not, it's a high quality film. Mm-hmm. It has some amazing moments that are mm. chilling and yep. really, um, like really disturbing and, and really, um, well done uh but oliver stone really is a director that's more about moments than story and i'm more of a story guy and that's he the big reason i'm just not a huge oliver stone fan me neither um the doors never really hit right for me even though it has some really iconic moments that still stick out in my mind even though i haven't haven't seen it forever and, and i think i think your critique of this movie is is um is apt in that way as well that there are iconic moments that you see like william defoe on the battlefield after he's getting chased down after he gets shot as an unbelievable when you've and been told he was dead even uh, though, oh, you know like and then you see him you know yeah from the helicopter shot of him running and, and you see the entire swarm of the Viet kong like coming down on him and, and just it is uh it is the, super haunting the stuff in the village is the stuff in the village about um, as powerful a scene as you'll get in any war film Ever, I mean, yeah, you know, my favorite. I think your favorite too. Right? We both the same favorite war movie, nineteen seventeen. Yeah, but the nineteen seventeen doesn't have a scene like that. It's not like that. that. Rips your heart out, no. stomps on it in front of you. It nope. is unbelievable, and uh, it, and the way it's shot, and it's so fearless. The way it's shot by Stone, really brave. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. shy away from anything. No, he doesn't put on. You know, it's not like bumper bowling. You know, yeah. where he's putting on. You know, little safety <laughs> safety guards. It's like, no, you're in here with us. Let's go. Let's see this it. This is what it is because it has to be powerful or else the rest of the movie doesn't, the rest of the movie tilts on that scene. Yes. So it has to really be as grotesque as it really was. Yep. And um, kudos to Stone there. I mean, it's just an amazing, it's amazing, 
amazing scene that will. That I, I mean, I'll, I'll take that scene with me forever. Yes, you know, I mean, Christ. So, so it's a callback scene to Milai. Of course, Milai is this a you know it's a very well known um, uh, situation in a village, the village of Milai in the Vietnam War, where American soldiers massacred the village basically, and so you don't have the same end result here, but you do see you know you you see two two deaths. And one, you see, one an older lady. One an older lady gets shot in the head by Tom Berenger's yep. character. And then you see um, bun, that bunny character, like, uh, beat a man to death. Uh, yeah, be, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, crush his skull. Crush his skull. It that is, first hit, they don't... Really great job by Stone here. Yeah. They show the first hit, which is brutal. brutal. And it is awful. It's but awful. then they back away. But the first hit was enough. That like, totally enough. Know, that you, gives you... It, and it's, you know... It, 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 the whole That whole 20-minute sequence... From beginning to, and then the end, you know, they're they're trying to gang rape this this woman before Charlie Sheen's character jumps in. Yeah, um, but like, uh, it is the twenty minutes is it's <laughs> it's, it's really harsh to watch as many things I've seen in film. Period. Agreed. And even before that scene, so they got they get to like a Viet Cong outpost right before that, because um, that's kind of what sets them off, yes. and it's booby trapped. That scene too is super powerful when the when the grenade goes off, it cuts to the reaction from several of the main characters. And the weird thing that I thought about this afterward, the weird thing about it, so you see Tom Berenger react to the sound of it getting blown. You see uh, Elias, you see uh, Willem, Dafoe. uh, Willem Dafoe's character react. It's out of time because you're seeing the reaction. The reactions would have all happened simultaneously, right. but the way that you, the way that we consume it is one to the other to the other real quick. But like it just, it, because it's out of time like that, it stops you. It's so, it's just such a weird feeling because of that. Um, uh, just a brilliant piece of filmmaking in just a few seconds by Oliver Stone. And, and he does some great stuff. Stone is some great, I mean, JFK is one of my personal favorite Oliver Stone films. I haven't seen that forever. It's, it's, it's good. I mean, I haven't seen it in maybe 10 years now, but it's, it's quite good. But that's not really, the story there is weak. Like the actual like narrative, yeah. it's not great. But the moments there, you know, stick out. And that that's really what he just, he does best. He's done it, you know, his whole career. Um, Natural Born Killer is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It just has these moments. But the actual, there's, there's just never any story there. And I just love a good, that's why I go to the movies. That's why I love movies. It's a story. Um, this has this has some great performances. Uh, Platoon uh, has some great performances, has uh, some, like, some amazing scenes. Yeah. And, um, you know, Stone was actually in the vietnam war so you have like that credibility you do there that you know and and that authenticity uh but um i i just didn't i just didn't love this movie so what i'll say about that is this is a tough one for me to grade so my me too. um because i don't think i'm being i don't think i don't think it's a, i think it's almost too low because this is a high quality piece but i can only say how it makes me feel i give it an a minus okay. but uh, but i don't like watching it i think it's I think it's really, so I have a few problems with it. I think the story is one of them. Um, we'll talk about the other in a second, but the, but the quality of the filmmaking is so good scene to scene to scene. The quality of the filmmaking is so good and you have some really great performances. Um, but I, this brings me back. Uh, we talked about my stepfather on the last mm-hmm. uh, Patreon show where he had, he just died like, a, you know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago at this point. Um, I used to ask him about the Vietnam, Vietnam War all the time. Because uh, I said on that episode, he, he flew um, flew helicopters, got shot down, took shrapnel in the face. He admitted to me that he killed people. Like I, I remember having a conversation with him, saying like it was typical like early teen. I, maybe I had my driver, driver's license at the time. I was like, why won't you let me? Like when you or I, I what? Why won't you let me do this thing or whatever? Like when you were maybe I was eighteen at the time. He was like, when you you know, 
when you were my age, you probably got to this thing. And he's like, well, when I was your age, I was killing people. Like he, you know, he admitted to that shit. That's yeah. dark, dark, dark shit yeah. when you're kind of young. Um, but so he wouldn't, but for a while he would never talk to me about it. And I was always curious because it's this, when you are, it, it looms in our background as kids. Certainly based, kids. because of our age. Yeah. We but we never in the shadow of that for sure. Yes. But we, it was just at like kind of after we, I, when did we pull out? I was born in 78. It might've been 77 when we pulled out. No, finally. We when was it? That. It was uh, 70, like 74. Oh, okay. It was maybe, over by okay. 75 in theory. It was all the, it's I just can't, going on. when was the, you know, the last remnants uh, pulled out of the, uh, it seems like 73, 74. Okay. When we really started to extract ourselves from it. It was kind of a slow, you know, but the, the late sixties, you know, McNamara and, and yeah, LBJ, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really when it was at its height, but there's certainly, you know, Nixon kind of ran a platform where we're going to get these kids out, right. but then, you know, didn't. It didn't, no. Uh, so, I mean, there was definitely still a major presence in the early 70s, for right. sure. So then by this, okay, so it's still been, but not that long after I'm born. Right. I mean, is, did, did this thing get over, right? Or, or before I was born, did this thing get over? So it's always kind of there, and I remember being taught about it. Like, it was such a big subject in, say, history cl- ca- class when I'm in junior high. Maybe it still is. But even, like, the idea of who Ho Chi Minh was, and whether he was a good leader or not, whether he was in the right or not, and plus like the overarching uh, themes of communism and, and stuff. And if you can look past that and look at these people who are just trying to unite their co- country, like it says a lot here. But so I asked David all the time, how do you, you know, what was it like? And he wouldn't tell me until this movie came out. Mm. And then he said, you want to know what it's like? Let's watch this. And, and then I, that's, you know, my yeah. experience about Vietnam. This is what, but I, right or wrong, this was my picture of Vietnam. I'm sure it was right. It you know? seems, yeah, I mean, it seems like if, more right. You know, your, your stepdad was there. Yeah. Oliver Stone was there. Yeah. They had, uh, they went out of their way. You know, Dale dies become kind of a, he, you see him a lot of movies now, but they brought on a expert yeah. um, to basically make sure that they were doing it the right way, that things were being shown the right way. You know, I was thinking when I was watching it, you know, Charlie Sheen, his face is being just covered in bug bites and he's got bugs all over him. And it's just, he's like, I don't know, like I made a terrible mistake coming here. It's awful. I'm like, boy, they don't show this clip when they're doing the uh, U.S. Army commercials, <laughs> no, right? They don't. They, don't show the, they don't show this stuff. They it's, don't. It's all like, you know, running around being a superhero. But, um, you know, there's a, I think for, a, I'm sure for some guy, for sure, I'm sure for a lot of guys, it's a different experience. And it's, and it's one that, you know, my, my brother-in-law is uh, in the guard and he's, he's been re-upping and he's been, he's at his 20 years now and he's, and he, he genuinely loves a lot of, he doesn't know, love going on deployments, but he loves a lot of the other stuff around it, you know, and he loves the camaraderie with the guys. There's a lot of benefits mm-hmm. to him to do it. Sure. For other guys and, you know, Vietnam is, it seems like just, a, he watched you like, what are these guys even, this is such a pointless yeah, you know, feudal thing that these guys, you know, that it's just not going to solve it. it there, you know, it's not like World War II. We have like the good guys won. Exactly. This is such a defeatist thing, and they even kind of bring it up in the movie a little bit. With Willem Dafoe's character, but. and you're not talking about an aggressive. Fo- I mean, kind of, but you're not really talking about an aggressive force taking over. Like the Nazis are a very clear example of this is an expansion. You know, a a, a, um, a horrible, uh, oppressive uh, dictator and movement that's overtaking countries and really is a threat to overtake the world. I think that's a way different um, idea than, oh, this is the tip of the, you know, of the, of the domino of potentially communism moving through Asia. And that it's a di- it's like it's hard. That's a harder sell. And then when you look at what the draft was, the draft is like one of the most horrible, horrible, horrible things um, to exist. 
and uh, and having to sign up for selective service is fucked up. And then, you know, even even now women, women will be signing up for selective. So that all that shit's fucked up. But at that time, the draft was in effect and you had, you know, you could get out of it if you were rich. If you were in college, yep. if you knew someone, if you were the son of a senator, a congressperson, you like it was a bunch of poor people, yes. you know, forced to go, you know, 8,000 miles away to such a futile, futile uh, situation. The thing that really makes me grade this higher, too, is it is definitely an anti-war movie that shows everything is the battle there. It's the internal battle. The exhaustion, um, the trying to stay focused when you're on a night patrol, to uh, <laughs> you battle your own team because you have factions in your team. You have the Behringer faction, and you, in this one, you have the Defoe faction. Yep. Uh, the morality factor, that's the battle. You're battling the environment you mentioned before with the bug bites in the fucking jungle. That you're like, There's no paths. They're not walking down roads and paths. They, you see them humping through the fucking yeah, jungle, just... making their own path. Everything is a fucking struggle, and then you're fighting an enemy who wants to protect their home. Everything is a battle. And I, I think stone really depicted that so well, not unlike anything before. I mean, Oh yeah. That's the other thing too is, you know, it's hard, you know, this movie has a lot less punch to it because we're seeing after it came out, after yes, it came out, yes, there were yes. a bunch, including, you know, some were copycats, some weren't like full metal jacket. Wasn't a copycat. Sure. Kubrick, obviously very original, yep. but that it, it shows, you know, it came out just a year later. Right. So, you know, it, but this, when this came out, Full Metal Jacket didn't exist yet. You had some of this stuff in the late 70s. Uh, Apocalypse like, Now. Uh, like Apocalypse Now, but also like Coming Home. Sure. Or, uh, or the one I just saw, um, the um, uh, Deer Hunter. Yeah. Um, and Deer Hunter to me in this are, are similar in some ways where like you have great moments, but then other parts. I think Platoon is a better movie than, than Deer Hunter. Uh, but... It's the same kind of thing where you have some of these moments that just stick out to you like, holy shit. Yeah. But then um, other parts, you're like, eh. Um, but the other thing Stone does really well, you mentioned kind of going through the, the jungle. You never feel safe. Ever. Uh, because, yeah, you can hide behind this rock. But if you hide behind that rock, you still have your back open. Like, there's no, like, real way to go. And, you know, there and they and Stone does such a great job of showing how the Viet Cong are everywhere. They are. And they're all around you. And, um, and to kind of just, like, to deal with that is, is is terrifying terrifying yeah you are constantly in the battle no matter what like you're sleep de- you're sleep deprived it's the worst situation you could you can imagine because you're not well rested you're not well fed you're not you're not in a defensible position no. you're you're so far away from supply lines and homes and you can't even trust your leadership i thought he also did that really brilliantly too with uh with duck who's like who's the character that that then plays duck in uh, um in Mad oh, Men. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, actor's Mark Moses. Mark Moses, who does a great job, actually. Yes, he He's like, he is the uh, the depiction of who the, who like the leader is on the ground. Like, he's kind of the most senior, he's the most senior person, he's the lieutenant. And the futility of the leader yeah. is depicted. So then you kind of extrapolate and it's like, well, the leadership in general for this whole fucking thing is, is, is off. And, and, it just evolves into sort of a Lord of the Flies thing too. You, and you can totally see why that would happen. You get sure. strong, you know, strong personalities come forward and depending on what their moral compass is, it could be really dark or not. And there's definitely a lot of darkness. Uh, I think, I think he shows that so well. The reason why I, the problems that I have are the story. You're absolutely right. 
But then also Charlie Sheen, I do not think is the right actor for this role. He in some moments he does well. I uh, hate the VO. Hate it. Oh, the narrative is awful. I hate uh, it. You know, to, to your grandma. To have the voiceover is is weak, and then the the voiceover at the end is especially oh, oh god, especially abysmal. Oh, thanks. Like they're basically just like we know we just saw the movie. We don't need to remind. Like it was so cliche. Didn't it was, need it. It was it was rough. I I really questioned the yeah the the thought process behind that. No, yeah, that the, sucked. The narration is really bad. It's really bad. And how did you feel about Sheen, though? I, I was not. I wasn't. So some moments where there's one moment in particular I thought she was brilliant. And, and this has happened to me in times where I've seen things like the most shocking things I've ever seen in my life. You go to say something or, or but like you open your mouth and words don't come out. It's happened to me, like, I don't know, say like, I don't know, five or six times in my life sure. where like I've seen something so fucked up. It's like, oh, there's nothing. And, yeah. and it's like, but you kind of go through the motion of talking because or, or screaming or whatever, because that's kind of what we're, we do. But then we do that and we're just so, our mind is so fucked up that like, no, nothing comes out. Yeah. So that was like, oh, wow. I imagine that's how I would react if I was there. So I'm like, oh, I can really understand what he's doing there. And other scenes think he handles quite well. Uh, I think it's actually, I mean, I don't think Charlie Sheen's a very good actor. No. End of the day. <laughs> but, you know, he's decent in this. He's decent in Wall Street. Yeah. Like, you know, he's had some times where he's been decent. He's, you're right. He, you know, let's say it was Sean Penn instead. That's what I mean. It's like Sean, Sean Penn is such a smart actor. Like he would have nailed this part. This would have been probably we see an a. It a little in casualties of war. He puts yeah. a different character. He's kind of playing more the, uh, the Tom Berenger character. He is. Um, but you know, I think especially in 85 or 87, rather, excuse me, you know, you throw him in here. Yeah. You know, even like a Matthew Modine who I know is, and he's in, um, the Kubrick, uh, yeah. F- uh, jacket, jacket, yeah. You know, a more like thoughtful, introspective guy actor that, that might, that might've been a better fit. Sheen's Sheen. I don't know if Sheen, I don't know if Sheen can do like super intelligent really he well. He can't. And that's the problem. You, you, and this character goes from someone who's really naive yeah. to, you know, really scarred at the end. And that journey, that's a complex journey. It is. And there's a lot of stuff. Plus he's not the hero. Like, there's no, he, that's the other great thing about this, but there's no real hero. I, I guess, guess De- maybe Elias Defoe. He is probably the moral compass, but he's done some shit too. I mean, there, but there's no, it, mm, yeah, well, Charlie Sheen is certainly not the hero. And so to, that's a complex character. It's a, oh, he has by far the most heavy lifting to do. I mean, yeah. Behringer's whole job is to be kind of scary and mean. Yep. Defoe's whole job is to be kind of angelic. It's funny. They, they make a reference early on. They're like, oh, this guy's been in the jungle for six months or whatever, pointing to Elias or a couple of years or whatever. And they're like, and he thinks he's Jesus Christ. Yeah. And of course, Defoe would later play Jesus Christ. Yes. In, <laughs> which, which I thought, which made me laugh. In Last you know. Temptation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. That, that made me chuckle. Uh, but, but he definitely is a Christ-like figure though in this film. He is. Yeah. He I get, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he does. His arms outstretched. So, he does. Um, yeah, I guess that's right. So I guess he's the hero. But yeah. but Sheen, that's such a complex character. So he, he has and, all the heavy lifting. And you have two great actors beside him. You Like, Berenger does a great job. Defoe does a great job. They are both great. And to have Sheen there is just a kind of a letdown. It sucks. I mean, Defoe's a legitimately great actor. Yes, he is. Uh, Berenger's, Ber- Berenger's a very good actor. Very good. He's done some great stuff. He has. He, he's had an underwhelming career. Uh, he has. I know, I know you're not a big fan of Cheers, but if you watch Cheers, uh, the last two episodes, uh, it ends with him being Rebecca Howe's boyfriend. And he plays, I believe he's a mechanic. He's a blue collar guy. Very simple. They play him in a very simple way. But he's like incredibly, because her whole, Rebecca Howe's whole thing in Cheers is she wants to marry a rich guy. So she ends up falling in love with this, I feel he's a mechanic or a construction guy, whatever, but uh, but he's very kind and he's a good man. Mm. And it's uh, and Behringer, he's only in a couple episodes. I thought he was in like six, because his character was so great. It's memorable. That I thought he was in all, but he's only in a couple, but uh, I think he won an Emmy or nominated for an Emmy for that role, but he's incredible. But I think, like, wow, how cool is Behringer to be able to play that role? 
the sweet nice guy and be in this movie where he's a scar scarred up yeah you know, broken man yeah like, that's pretty good range yeah he does yeah he so behringer i think behringer is a better actor than maybe i give him credit for and certainly a better actor than his career gave him yeah like, that's the thing i wonder what sort of happened um I because mean, he can he can play I think Kevin Costner might have market corrected him. Oh, might you know, he's in Major League, but that easily could have been, you know, Costner from Bull Durham is the same kind of role. Like, sure. You know, the grizzled veteran, yeah. who's, you know, who, uh, the kind of the good guy. But like, you know, Costner's, I, I, I don't know, maybe Behringer's a little more threatening than Costner, so Costner kept getting those like all-American roles. Is Costner a little younger too than Behringer? Uh, maybe. I wonder it's if that's that huge of a difference, but yeah, maybe it's, not. it's there. I mean, um, but I, yeah, Behringer for, and then Behringer's not quite the action star of like a Stallone exactly. or, uh, or, you know, even a Kurt Russell. Yeah. He's not as good looking as Kurt Russell. So like, you know, he's not as fun as Kurt Russell either. So it's like, where do you fit Behringer? And then he ends up doing like those sniper movies and kind of just like, it's like, all right, well then, you know, I know by then it was kind of over anyway, yeah. but like, yeah, Tom Behringer's a guy, you know, he's in Big Chill. We talked about that, which is a movie we don't like, but no, but had he's a, good. Had a big cast. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Behringer's career and you're like, wow, this guy probably should have been more. And he, he wasn't. He wasn't. It certainly wasn't. It's not a disappointing career, but it's one, if you told me, you know, you got nominated for Oscar for this. Yeah. You would have thought this would have been a jumping off point. Like, oh, this guy's going to now. It just didn't quite happen. It didn't. And it's too bad because I think he is very good here. And same thing with Defoe. Defoe is very good here. Defoe is great here. And, you know, Defoe can be, Defoe can be too weird. Like for a lot, you know, the Spider-Man stuff, sometimes it's a bit. You know, I, that, you know, it's a comic movie. You should be eating eating the scenery, but yeah. it's a little ridiculous. You know, sometimes the foe can be a little too too much. But then you see this, or you see the Florida Project, and which you haven't seen yet. I haven't you? seen. I see, see it, it when, when I'm away. Yeah. You should really, I think you'd like it a lot. Cool. I'll check it uh, out. And the foe is like he's like an everyman. There. Yeah. And like you really, it's like oh wow, you forget how like how much range this guy has. Tons of range. When he goes into kind of weird Defoe mode, you're like oh no, this guy can actually be a normal guy too. Which yeah. Is pretty good. Yeah. Because Johnny Depp can't be a normal guy anymore. Who's in this movie? Oh, I know. It's just like the yeah. Was this his? No, he did Nightmare on Elm uh, Street three. No, Nightmare on Elm Street one. Oh, uh, one. Sorry, one. So that was before that was this. Before, that was eighty four, I think. So right. He, so he has a very, very limited part here. Twenty one Jump Street, which just, is very strange to kind of see him in the background. Very strange. <laughs> yes, uh, you don't know. He's like a translator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's he very is. strange. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but like Donnie Depp can't go back to being normal now. I feel like no. where Defoe can. Oh yeah. Go back and forth now. I mean, I know Donnie Depp was the biggest star Defoe ever was. I get that, but. God, yeah he was so, I, mean, I he was making yeah he's yeah. top lining yeah. giant movies a franchise like he was i know i mean i like defoe more me too I, I johnny depp is one of the most disappointing people to me like i think he, he just has all the talent in the world and he just made bad choices I know, you watch a ed weird wood. guy you watch ed wood and you're like this guy is a legitimately yeah even talented early, actor early early stuff. yes scissorhand i mean he's just and then he just all went away because he'll take chances. He'll do the odd roles. He just chose the wrong ones. The fucking. Um, and then, but then he. But then he. Get, he got. He also like self sabotage. He ruined he his personal life. Ruined yeah. his career. Strange. He just, just strange got, guy. Where Defoe always. Defoe obviously a little older too. But Defoe always seemed to have. While he might be a weird guy on screen, seems to be a guy that really has his feet in the ground. Seems it. Um, and he's had, he's had a wonderful career. Yeah. Yeah. Nominated for four Oscars, never won, but that's a pretty good career. That's really he's good. the first one. Yeah. He, nomination. He's got, I mean, he's, he was, he was nominated even a couple of years ago. He's still, he's still doing compelling work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and, yeah, Barringer, and then Sheen, yeah, Sheen, obviously we all So know. it's disappointing. Sheen's, it's just, Sheen's yeah. troubles are, are obvious. Yeah. Um, we don't need to get into those necessarily, but, right. uh, but yeah, I think he, you know, same thing with Wall Street though. You know, Wall Street's the next movie that Stone does with Michael Douglas. One of my favorite Stone movies, uh, as well. Um, 
And Michael Douglas is just acting, you know, he's hitting grandson to grandson. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's incredible yeah. performance. Yeah, Michael yeah, Douglas. Yeah. So it's not really fair for, but then you have scenes like Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen. Martin Sheen plays Charlie's father. who's kind of a, uh, I don't say blue collar guy, but more like a down to earth guy, a good person. Yeah. And then, you know, they have, they have some good arguments in like in an elevator and even the scenes with Martin Sheen have so much heart yeah. and Charlie Sheen scenes are just it's not, it's not kind of underwhelming. Yeah. I don't know what they saw in it. Maybe like what, what was it? I mean, I liked him in, in uh, Ferris Bueller's day off. He plays that the, the creepy. Role. I know it is, but it's still fun. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah, why did they cast him? I don't know. I don't know if they wanted the tie to Apocalypse Now. I don't know if they wanted oh, if they just thought that he could handle it. I don't know. I don't know why you cast him when there might have been other options, but maybe the other guys didn't want to do it. I could mean, have been. this 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 was a movie that had a hard time landing a distributor. Um, I know uh, he wanted a stone wanted to make it forever. I mean, stone movies often have a hard time finding a distributor, which just shows you how, you know, we talked about this with Snowden and a movie I didn't like yeah. at all, but, but like his movies are so controversial or, or really do push the envelope enough that people, people are nervous to distribute it. He has a weird politics too. I mean, he can, he definitely, he's further. Yeah. I mean, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll say good things about, uh, the Batistas or Chavez or some, you know, some of the, the socialist uprising, like movement leaders in South America and, and be kind of buddy, buddy with them. But then he'll also be an anti anti censorship guy. And he's sort of, I guess he's closer to more like a, more what the liberal liberals were 20 or 30 years ago than they are now because you kind of have that, but he is kind of his own way. He has like, but he was a Ron Paul guy too. So he does have that Liberty streak too, which is neat. So I can see where he, so left. He doesn't almost right. (laughs) He sort of doesn't fit. No, kind of doesn't fit, I guess with Hollywood, which is why I give him a lot of credit. I think some of his policies are insane. Yes. Agreed. I think he's a lunatic with a lot of stuff. Just like, I think you're a lunatic. with Yeah. You always say that, Uh, which is bullshit, but but no, to stone's credit and to your credit as well. You know, it's, I think especially in Hollywood, it's very easy to just like, oh, I'm going to follow the path. Right now, the path is definitely progressive politics in, in, yeah. in Hollywood, right? Like, yeah. just just kind of, you know, hit all those marks, and then you're doing the good thing, and yep. no one will question you. Where Stone has the Stone has had courage his entire career. He has. I mean, it's actually before his Hollywood career, because he left Yale to fight in the Vietnam War yeah. and asked to be put in combat. Yeah. So this is a guy that has courage, in my opinion, like off the charts. Tons of courage. So, you know, he's... He doesn't follow what the Hollywood script says, what the agent says, here are the political things you should hit. He literally is beating, he's his own drummer. Yeah. And he's going to do what he wants to do, which you don't see in Hollywood very often. No, you don't. And he has no problem pushing, but it's also a big, that same courage and also his brilliance. And this is why he has two Oscars for best director. Yeah. He won, born on the 4th of July, didn't win best picture, but he won yeah. best director. Yeah. And it should. I know you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. My sister and brother-in-law. They're going through a thing right now where they're watching all of the best picture winners. Oh, that's cool. So uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So uh, they they're like they're just doing it randomly all over the place. They watched the first one. I think it's Wings. Like it, it was like it was in you know nineteen twenty-nine. Yeah, but they're like all right. So we're kind of doing whatever, just random ones. And they like, they watched Driving Daisy. And I saw them last week. They're like, this what the fuck? How this win? And like, how this beat Born on the Fourth of July? I'm yeah. like, oh, that's what people said back then too. Yeah. But uh, but Stone did win for best director. You know, Stone is two best director. Not many guys can say that, right? Um, and he does it because he's such a courageous filmmaker. And some super iconic movies all over the place. I mean, you know, JFK, this one, Born on the Fourth of July. I mean, ton, Natural Born Killer. I mean, a ton of them. Oh I, yeah. I, I, have you seen um? Have you seen Raging Bull? So long ago. Okay. Yeah. I saw it a couple years ago. I did a rewatch, and um, so this movie to me is similar in some ways to Raging Bull mm. in, in that. 
Um, I didn't really like either of them. Yeah. Both had some iconic moments. Both had some amazing performances. Um, I mean, both are brilliantly directed. Uh, both are terrifying. Yeah. Um, but I don't really have a real connection to either one. And both, if you said, hey, these are two of, and many people say, many people say that those are the two of the top 10 movies of the 80s. And I'm not going to argue with that person. I can, I can completely, I understand where that person's coming from. Sure. That's a, that's a, I think it's a very valid and fair opinion. And that's someone who's, an, that's an intelligent, well thought opinion. But I don't have the same one. Yeah. Because those movies just didn't, didn't speak to me. They took risks though. Like, uh, I, w- I was just was listening to the Tarantino episode with on, um, on Joe Rogan. Yeah. How was it? it? Uh, I don't like his answers on, on, uh, on Harvey Weinstein. I don't like it. I don't, I think he, he, I don't, I didn't like it. Actually, I, I, I think worse of him now after. Yeah. He just sort of brushes over it and kind of, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. He knew. I mean, I, you should listen to it and you tell me what you think, but he does say eighties were like the fifties. Like we didn't have there, you know, the risks stopped being taken in film and it wasn't until, I mean, he gives himself a lot of credit and he should, it wasn't until res dogs and pulp fiction that like, okay, now we can cross bridge into more avant-garde, more, uh, more stylized, like more risk taking well, film, more independent film, more I mean, independent. You film. Know, he said a similar, he, he, I saw him on Bill Maher. Uh, Did he say a similar he thing. He said a very similar thing. He said how the fifties, the eighties, and he says how right now we're almost becoming like the fifties yeah. again, like, right. where everything has to be super safe. And, um, but those yeah. two movies in the eighties were not that like they were anomaly with raging bull they and really and, were exactly. And Platoon yeah. are both movies Empl- that take huge yes. risks. You know, raging bull though is, I know it was made in what's it, 80 or 81. That was, it felt more like a seventies movie. Let's yeah. be real. Just so you know, come on. Like, it's not, it's not a seventies. It's the, but platoon is right boom it's right in the, it's, you know came out in 86 i know yeah. we're in 87 for this show but uh you know i had a long run because of its oscar sure uh you know it comes out right smack in the middle of the 80s you know and it uh it it's a movie that's a huge risk and, and it won awards because of it you yeah. know one best picture one best director uh behringer and defoe both nominated and it won a few one film editing yeah uh, i think it won four should have um, it should have got effects too it should have been nominated for effects and wasn't it should have been nominated for cinematography and wasn't those two were kind of a miss. Those were a miss to me. Yeah, I had it up, but I don't think I have them up anymore. I was trying to see. It's tough for I me because I know like like Canner and her sisters is dominated for a bunch of stuff. I haven't yeah, seen that. Yeah, so it's like I I can't really argue. There are movies that I like that didn't get a ton of nominations, but like I, I but I, I can't really argue. I, I went through the best picture. I'm like I haven't really seen a lot of these. I'll be honest, I just haven't. Uh, I do. I want to see them, um, and I'm making a better effort to kind of watch some of these classic ones. It's tough with the '80s because I'm afraid I. 70s stuff i've been going on a real run because like oh we won't run into it for the show yeah but 80s stuff i'm trying to hold back yeah i feel the same way we'll probably you know some of these will hit i mean some of them you want and you go with the box office numbers like all right i can safely see this right but um but eight you know 80s stuff is, is tougher but 70s stuff you can you know watch whatever you want and of course. Uh, so i've been doing that a lot more yeah um but no this is uh this is a uh a, certainly a work of art if, if you have this in your top 10 in the 80s i I have no issue with that. I give Stone a ton of credit as a filmmaker. It's kind of, you know, he, he was such a prolific guy in the 90s and 80s where he was putting out movies every year. Yeah. You know, and some of them were quite iconic, you know, JFK and right. you know, the ones we mentioned yeah. on the 4th of July and stuff. Um, and then, you know, he got older, you know, and, and the movies have been, you know, fewer and far between. He's, he's been having a more difficult time getting funding for his stuff. And this is not cancel coach related. This is also just because of disappointing box office numbers. Sure. You know, he's also making weaker movies. Yeah. And then, um, do you know what the last thing he did was? Snowden. 
It was Snowden. Before that, that it was, was the uh, the World Trade Center movie, which I have not seen. I think with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I have not seen that it, um, because I did, it was not even it didn't even look interesting to me. I do want to see it. I, now I've been kind of putting it back for this for the show. I think we might run into it. Actually. Right. Um, but um, yeah, Snowden was, and then now you know Snowden came out what sixteen, so you know five years into. Yeah. But he, he's in his. I think he's seventy three now, yep. something like that. So he's older. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to get much more out of, out of Oliver Stone. He had such a difficult time getting financing and distribution for Snowden. I don't know if people really want to be in the Oliver Stone business anymore. No, and yeah, especially that, this climate. That that movie didn't do very well. So no, and then it happens. You know, Terrence talked about that on uh, uh, I, I've seen on too Mar? recently oh. that like you know on, on Bill Maher especially uh, about older directors. He's like, it's a good time to get out. Like he's I, he's like, I'm a film historian. I know what happens to old directors. It doesn't 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 end. It's, it's not it's not cinematic. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow yeah. line for sopranos but uh it's it's not pretty um you know they you know yes there are exceptions you know sydney lamette had uh before the devil knows you're dead we talked about that before um obviously clint eastwood still making movies sure. in the 90s yeah uh scorsese i love the irishman still making some interesting films but more often than not you yeah you lose it yeah we even talked about it, uh most recently on the show we just did with uh was it Ridley? Blast in the past oh okay and that yeah. guy was tapped out oh, by 57 jesus yeah so you're like uh, hugh wilson so you're like all right you know it, it doesn't he's he's not wrong and, and i think that kind of happened with oliver stone too um but that's i mean you only have so many stories you can tell in your you know people only have so many yeah it's a lot so, of work too it's a, you know it could be a year of your life and between, he writes his, a lot of his yes movies. he does I mean, it's, he wrote it's a this. shit ton yeah i mean you think of him and tarantino too you the same thing right true Where, or tours it's like you have your hands in every single step of the process. That is a huge energetic output to do that. That's like that's like climbing a mountain, like Everest or something. I mean, it's just especially a huge Stone slog. Even, Stone even more than Tarantino because Stone also is responsible a lot of times for the financing. Yeah, and the distribution. Yeah. So you know, yeah, Tarantino obviously no one loves him more than we do in this show. Of I'm course. Gonna, you know, spend, I think we spent half the episodes blowing through. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but friend of the show, friend, <laughs> him and Donald Sutherland. Uh, not, not apparently not a friend of the show. After what you just said, you said that he should have <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, punched Harvey Weinstein in the face or something. He should. Um, but uh, Donald Sutherland though, is still a friend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's forever. But, uh, you know, Stone though. He, I mean, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> bring him up again. Did take care of a lot of those business he matters did. for Tarantino. Yep. That. Uh, he didn't have to worry about it. He just has to make the movie. You know, Stone's involved in a lot of the business end of it. I will say one more thing about your point, uh, about Tarant- or Tarantino's point, rather, excuse me, on Rogan. Yeah. How he, that's true. He definitely had the first kind of breakout hit independent film. But like Steve Soderbergh, like Sex, Lots of Videos. Right. Like, that, if it wasn't for that movie, Reservoir Dogs never would have gotten funding. Yeah. Like that's really, because that got such a reaction at cons. Yeah. And that made it like okay to make independent films. Yes. Obviously that movie I know didn't make, you know. No, but it's, it is an, it's weird. It's different. It's provocative. It I hope uh, you're into it. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's like, but, it is a. But it changed the game. Absolutely. From a, um, a studio perspective. Like, a studio's like, okay, these can work. We can do this. Yeah. So. I know Tarantino is very good at grandstanding, and I love him for it. But it, you know, he's not the only one who no. gets a slice of that pie. Of there. course like, not. There, you know, with some other people involved too. Yeah, agreed. Um, but uh, yeah, but uh, platoon. Um, so you, you, did, so you give it a B. I, so a minus for me. I think I just think there's so much awesome stuff here. Uh, I don't love what the hard part is. I don't love watching it. I don't love watching it. Charlie Sheen's a little bit weak. Just like Raging Bull. I don't love. You know, I don't love watching that either. And. I don't watch, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't want to be the AFI list. 
I want to be able to tell people how I feel about a movie because yeah. you know that's the unique part. I think that's what makes movie criticism interesting. Different opinions. So yes, this is a really impressive. It's really impressive movie, but it's not. It like I don't want to rewatch this movie. Say, I don't want to say it's not. Well, that's I, I like Twelve Years a Slave is amazing. It's not a movie I'm really okay. to rewatch either. Yeah. But that to me was a that was a a movie for me. That was like unbelievable, yeah. Where, uh, unbelievably great. Where this is didn't hit me in the heartstrings like that because that had a better story, better narrative. Yeah. Um, where this didn't. There's just no story. And I, I like a story. So, you know, Raging Bull is just character study. And this this kind of is a character study in a way too. Um, or it's a study of, it's a war study, I guess, more than a character, you know, or what's, what war does to characters. Yes. Um, more than a narrative or more than a story is concerned. And I don't really gravitate to those kind of movies. So I would be, you know, I, I just falling into the mob for myself if I gave it higher because I didn't I admired it I just yeah. didn't really like it I just looked at it so this, how do I how do I feel watching it and I think uh, it had the desired effect you know, it did too I agree with that I yeah. definitely felt like I was there yeah I definitely felt appalled it was all morally compromised yes i felt horrified with that village scene especially yeah um i just felt terrible for these kids they're yeah. all young guys oh my god yeah it's like oh these guys are these guys are like half our half age. our age i know if not younger yeah and you're like um oh i know we talked about it on the black hawk down episode you know you see the number one eight you know just sitting there and you're like holy shit yeah and it's just it's really upsetting and um so it definitely had the desired effect i completely agree yeah but it just for me as a story as a movie if for what i want in a movie it just didn't check all those boxes and yep. it's just not not quite there for me so but you know it's not gonna crack my top 20 no it won't won't for me i don't think because we have enough a minus a movies that we, it won't but uh probably top 50 definitely and i, I don't know where so i'm not sure i'll have to look but, yeah probably like in the in the in maybe 50 for me so it's right around there for the movies we we've seen a lot of but really I, obviously a lot of good i'm ones. gonna recommend this yeah yeah um even if i gave this movie a, a c minus bizarrely i would still recommend it because it's it may not be a movie for me, but it doesn't mean it's not a movie for you. Or something like, you know, Blast in the Past. Like, like, that's don't watch not that a good movie. Like, don't waste your anybody. time. No one, like, that's not for anybody. But, like, yeah. but Platoon, while it didn't, like I said, for me personally, but I would be damned if I said, you know, you, the listener, wouldn't enjoy it. Oh, yeah, of because course. who am I to say? Because it's such a great work of art. Just yeah. like Raging Bull. Like, I, it's a weak recommendation for that movie, too. But everyone should see it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree um yeah and there are other movies i think we reverse on some of these where there's also a nostalgic factor to me too this was my entrance to the war kind of you know and and a a way for me to connect to my stepdad about something that he wouldn't talk about in his past so i so i think i graded higher too there's the nostalgic but that also packs a punch too though if you have you're telling me a a guy that was in vietnam says this is the movie to understand what it's like well that almost makes me want to put a notch up because like oh shit then this is what it was like that that realism is to be uh to be admired and to be recognized for i mean everybody you know who had control of this movie seemed to know what the fuck they were talking about so and, and it didn't and uh you know the aftermath this movie came out a little different than when um deer hunter came out when deer hunter came out there was a lot of blowback oh russian roulette didn't really happen on vietnam that's not what it was like you, you there was a lot of that kind of murmurs um it obviously won best picture and has some amazing performances yeah. and, um but there was a lot of that like oh is this about even about vietnam or is it just about how america feels about vietnam there's a lot of that where platoon is squarely 
Yes. A movie about what it's like to be in Vietnam and, even, and the guys that were there. Even the drug scenes were not over the were not way over, over the top. It seemed about what they would do, smoking hash or or you know a lot of marijuana was happening there. Um, it wasn't a lot of drinking. It was comedy. You'll get a lot. You know, a movie like this where it's very serious, very chilling and, and disturbing. You'll have those like oh wacky drug jokes and like yeah. you know they have some casual jokes in there, but it's just guys talking. It's, yeah, it feels very real. It feels real. Yeah. Um, real. I and I give Stone a lot of credit there for like oh we don't need to interject anything here. We all we need to inject here is the reality of what happened, and that's a courageous filmmaker. I think so too. Anything else with uh, Platoon? Nope. Go see it. This is what I imagine you and Jerry sing together before every show. We do. And if this world runs out of lovers, <laughs> they may think we're crazy. We're crazy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing. Nothing's gonna stop us now. By uh, Starship. So we'll probably run into their second album or their first album as starship because right. it's we built the city and which sarah one hit and it was uh, also number was that also no, I, I don't know, know i know si- we built the city was a number one hit yeah uh which so that so we'll probably run into this so we i don't think we need to go into all the i will say I a little bit of it but we don't have to go into all the backstory i think because it would make more sense in the when we run until we built the city or sure sarah. but just so you know uh, just to kind of get us in the right place here. So Starship started as Jefferson airplane, of course, in the 1960s, um, psychedelic rock, you know, white rabbit, which was played in platoon. Um, white rabbit is such a cool song. Like, do you know? Yeah. It, it is cool. And actually, it, is, platoon uh, used it, it was fine. I'm just like, no, I know we've heard, heard it forever, it's, but, it's, you know, but like everyone that, stole at, from Oliver Stone and used it in every movie. Yeah. But at the time, like white, nothing like white yeah, rabbit had right. ever been made. Like it is a freaky, weird song. And you know, I've I just, a, whatever. It's just the, her disaffected and then all the verb and just do, do, yeah, no, that it, little march like yeah. it is just that's a, and then how she gets big at the end of it you know feed your head like the big vocals at the end it's a short song too it's like less than three minutes long um so that and then don't you want somebody to love those so, two which is so great in cable guy Jim Carrey does the karaoke it. version of it. Does it is, it's kind of ruined the song for me. That's all I can think about now. It's really funny. Um, I had to see that movie. I saw that once uh, when it came out. And, uh, you yeah, know. Jim Carrey does this amazing uh, rendition <laughs> of the song. But still, I mean, they, they were huge. Uh, San Francisco band. Um, anyway, psychedelic rock. They were kind of marred by the uh, Altamont um it was sort of like the Woodstock of the West, uh, where the you know Rolling the Stones were very involved with the organization of that, and, and that became the movie Gimme Shelter. I haven't seen that. I, uh, I gotta I've see seen, that. I've seen pieces of it. Did Scorsese do Gimme Shelter? I believe he did. Yeah, I gotta see that movie. But it's anyway, so that it was pretty wrong. I thought he did. They protected the, the security there was the Hell's Angel, and there was violence, yeah. and a girl got stabbed and killed, and you know, so that really affected Jefferson Airplane. Uh, soured, and they started to 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 break up a bit. Plus, they were using a shit ton of drugs. Gray Slick. Who is the kind of the constant between all the bands? All these, yeah. She she was drag racing uh, the guitar player in the band, fucking um, and hit the wall of a tunnel at like a hundred miles per hour, uh, right near the Golden Gate Gate Bridge. Um, that guy uh, pulled her out. Um, what's his name? His name. He was in the band too, right? He was in the band. He's a yeah. guitar player of the band. Uh, where is it? Uh, Jorma Kukonen. 
rolls off the tongue. Uh, this is a tough one. Pulled her as Sarah, apparently they were drag racing and uh, she crashed. He apparently pulled her out, but she was a fucking mess. And then just all the drugs and whatever. And they, so they eventually kind of the band splintered, you know, all the free love and the hippie shit is fine for a while until like reality sets in yeah. and then it's not, you, you gotta like, you gotta, you know, live a kind of a productive life. You can't just be kids forever. And so there were creative differences. They split into um, hot tuna was one band (laughs) and um, Jefferson uh, Starship was the other band. Okay. So the band is called Jefferson airplane. Yes. Okay, fine. Whatever. (laughs) I just love the leap to Jefferson Starship. Dude, because now we're going interplanetary. It's so fucking weird. It's pretty weird. I would think you would like that. You like all that space nonsense. Do you know? I think I think you would have suggested that. No, I would not have. <laughs> You're like, hey, you know no, what? I thought it was really cheesy. Uh, I can't. They so named weird. it after some. There was a. There was a starship. There was some sort of song or something. I don't know. Starship. But they named it. Whatever. So Jefferson start. So that. So uh, Jefferson um, airplane was from early mid like 63 or something until the early 70s or late no uh till 78 i think 68 i think what the fuck was it? 71 sorry um and then the the fraction the fracture happened so then you have jefferson starship until the late 70s 78 um and then everybody sues each other uh in in jefferson starship and the last like original member of jefferson airplane who's in jefferson starship Paul Cantor leaves and they all see sue each other for rights to the name. The settlement is that no one gets to use the name. So when Paul Cantor and Grace Slick do their next thing, they don't call it Jefferson Starship. They just call it Starship. And here we are in the eighties, right? If Starship happened in a bubble, they were just this eighties band that were playing like this album. It wouldn't be bad. I wanted to go in and hate. I wanted to hate the song like going in because of just my, Oh my my memories of it. Punch the microphone. <laughs> uh, just my memories of it. I wanted to hate it. I don't hate this song. It's not a bad song. It's, it's bad. It's so bad. It's good. It's actually, it's not. Yes. Yeah, it's AS, cheesy eighties, like rock song. Kind of like a uh, Toto. Uh, was it rocks? Uh, was it Rosanna? Yeah. No, just it's like not, that, right? it's no, not at actually, all. Better song. <laughs> Way better song. But, uh, but this isn't, it's not a bad song. It's not badly it's really written. Not. And it's, it's, but it's pretty dumb though. It's dumb. But I also have, dude, you're going to hate me for this, but I, I already do. You do not. <laughs> um, Depends of the day. But like, I also have warm feelings for Mannequin, which this was oh, put in. Right. I Well, I don't. I, I mean, saw it's it. It's fine. We, I, hope, I hope we cover it. For, Me it'd, too. It'd be a great Patreon show. I haven't seen it forever, but I probably saw it 50 times as a kid. Mm. Uh, my sister loved that movie. So, you know, it was this and yeah. Ghostbusters. It yeah. was like, okay, I, you know, who gets to pick the movie this week? Right. I get to pick the movie. Yeah. Okay, it's going to be Ghostbusters. Okay, I'm gonna, okay it's going to be whatever. And we would watch it. But I, but you know, Kim Cattrall is at that time is like so warm and I, yes. I you know, it's so pretty. And actually Andrew McCarthy, it's McCarthy, yeah, right? Yeah. He is such a warm character too. Not a great actor, but like, right. Very like both, yeah. both very likable people. And so I kind of have warm feelings for that as well. So that, that kind of, um, anyway, uh, that, Were you that also feeds a fan into this. mannequin too. I wonder if I saw that. Not, I think I not, saw not it. And I don't did. That was the problem. Was McCarthy in that? Or I don't know if he was. I want to say was he was. Two wasn't. other characters that that did it. I think I want to say it was too new. I think it was too new. Yeah. So we probably they had kept on like I think maybe Meshack Taylor. Uh, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood. Say, yeah, he might have been in like both. Like he's like the string that ties the two movies together or something like that. But yeah, it's, it wasn't a wasn't very well received. Yeah. Um. 
I mean, it's, it can't be that good, but whatever. No, so, probably not. The, so this is their second album as Starship. They do the first album, which is called Knee Deep in the Hoopla. That's got We Built the City on it. Uh, and it's got Sarah, which is actually, that, that's a pretty song. Um, and But this one, I think, has some, this is, oh, this is called No Protection. And I think it, it has some, it has some good songs on it. It's, like, it's not as bad as I thought it's it was. It's not as bad yeah. as I thought it was. Like, listen to it. Girls like you. Key change. So cool. That's a cool it's song. Bad. It's not bad for like, you know, right. any generic 80s rock. Um, what's the other one? Is it nothing? Uh, oh, no, that's nothing. Um, is it? It's not. It's not over. No, this one sucks. Yeah, it's not good. The, it's not over. It's not good. There's a second one on here, though. Oh, it's Transatlantic. That's a cool one, too. I mean, for like an 80s cheesy band, that's a good one. I just think in a bubble, but then when you think about what they were, like this avant-garde, I know, like Grace Slick as what she was in White Rabbit. And you see that, watch the video sometime of White Rabbit, of her playing it live. It's really awesome. Like she is good. Um, something very, very compelling. She totally sells that song. She's perfect for it. And you think about that person in this avant-garde psychedelic rock band, breaking new ground. I mean, they probably put psychedelic rock on the map, I'm guessing. There weren't very many people doing that in San Francisco at the time. Um, and you had like the LA scene and they, they kind of were in the same, um, you know, the Crosby, Stills, Nash, like in those circles kind of but they were doing this is different um maybe buffalo springfield is kind of similar with uh with um uh something happened here that is sort of similar maybe wooden ships is a little darker but it's different this is this is more spooky and to go from that to like we built this city or nothing's gonna stop us now it's just a tough that's tough to to see those two people side by side I mean, you know, we uh, we talked about it with the Cher episode. Cher was the oldest female to ever have a number one. At 53 years old or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the record she broke was Grace Slick for this song. Yes, that's right. It's 47 at this so, time. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, on some level, yeah, obviously they totally sold out when she's a rock. But uh, on the other level, I was like, well, that's probably what you had to do to be relevant. And, like, it's pretty impressive to be relevant for 20 straight years. But I wonder if I, I just wonder if I had that type of, Money that I would expect that she would have, you know, those songs were hits for so long and used in a bunch of shit. She probably has money. Well, she did retire shortly after this, so. Yeah, but I guess I would wonder, right, right, right. I, I just would wonder, would I want to get, would I be, would I need the fame? Would I need to be in a music video? <laughs> the music video is really funny, too, with the inner cut of the fucking, they redo the mannequin scenes yes. with Grace Slick and, uh, and um, who was the other singer? Uh, I can't remember the guy's. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But they, yeah, they're redoing it. It's a weird video. Uh, but would like do? Would I want that if I'm her as 47 years old, knowing that I broke ground as a kid? Would I want to? Would would I? Would I want? Am I doing this for the fame? Because it's probably not about the money. So like, why? Why? Like, I could just do my own music, and if I liked experimental music or fun music or whatever, I could just do my own thing. And even if I didn't have you know, the fame, if I wasn't on MTV or something, I would still, there'd probably be fans who would like me doing, I 
cooler music, more creative I mean, yeah, music. I don't know. That's what she had done. But I mean, in terms of credit, though, she, I mean, she walked away like four years later. So, I mean, she, eventually she did tap out. But uh, but she does... This, and the lyrics are terrible. Oh, yeah. But, well, like, but she does sell... Like, it's pretty... There's one... This, I know I kind of did the Jerry voice, which... Uh, <laughs> oh, trademark Kirkman, by the way. Of course, he created yeah, that voice. Yes, yes. Give it give respect it's due there. But... Uh, he really sells like the, the line about being crazy. She even let him see you at crazy. Crazy. She's just <laughs> yes. like like almost you hear the nineteen sixty seven Grace Slick for a second. Yeah, because it's like whoa, and, and then you're like oh you remember it. oh wait this song is really corny and lame and cheesy but uh, yeah but you do hear it for a split second the crazy. I also want to say that like as a song it's it's written they do a cool thing with the song it's duop. Except where, except for one spot. So doo-wop is uh, the... In the still of the night. That's, that's, that's what this is. Yeah. Let them see you are crazy. What do they know? Except for what they do is they go to this... They go to the seventh chord instead of finishing the doo-wop. So that's a neat little thing where they're like, it's doo-wop. Oh, no. No, it's not. We're going to throw this little little different thing in. This Pretty is slick, smart writing. So she's going to trick you. She, tri- she did trick us, but that little details. And there are, throughout the album, If you look, some of the songs that I pointed to, like Transatlantic or Girls Like You, they do some cool stuff, like key changes and neat places that, that are, um, that's a better, better writing than just like a regular 80s pop band. So I think they were not bad people. Uh, my dad <laughs> would wear concert shirts because he was working Radio City Music Hall. And these guys, I don't know, I think it was Starship or Jefferson Starship. One of the two came in, um, either at the very end of Jefferson Starship or, or the very beginning Starship, of Starship. Yeah. Uh, performed concerts at Radio City. And my dad wore their shirts for a while. He wouldn't wear shirts to people he didn't respect or didn't like. That's cool. So, like, he must have liked them. I wish she was still around. I could ask him. But uh, he... He wouldn't. He wore the Starship shirt forever. Like it was one of the last. Whatever reason, you know, you know, you wear a shirt and eventually it deteriorates. Yeah, yeah. Whatever reason, that was like one of the last ones to deteriorate. But uh, he, he, he never said anything bad about them. You know what I mean? Like I think he really. I don't know if he also liked their early music or not too. But he was. Um, I don't think they were assholes. Which is you know that's a good that's right. Good. That's always good to hear. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned the lyrics, of course. I mean, here we are again. It, Diane Warren fucking coming into our life. Diane Warren, of course, wrote the share hit too. But this was her first number one hit. Really? Yes. Oh wow. Diane Warren is, of course, the you know the pack rat um, songwriter who she's I think she lives in Vermont right now. A chunk of our shows. Oh god damn it! Yeah, it's because she's got a lot. She writes songs for movies. I mean, that's why this yeah. was written. And right. Starship did it because it was going to go into mannequin. That's the question there, though. So. Uh, let him say we're crazy. So is crazy. Is she saying like, oh, I'm Grace Slick and I'm dating this guy and it's kind of it's, woo, this wacky relationship. Or is she saying it's let him say we're crazy because I'm fucking a mannequin. Because if, <laughs> if you're fucking a mannequin, then you are crazy. And that's perfectly valid. That is. <laughs> so I don't know what the context of the song was written. In. I want to think about it from your perspective from which now is, on. Which one? The mannequin one. I the think man- that, so yes. like she's trying to justify. Yeah, trying she's trying to, to justify like, plastic like, sex. Hey, let him say what they want to say. But listen i get my blow up doll nothing can and also nothing can stop <laughs> right i mean there's not really consent here but but no one's gonna stop us anyway right <laughs> but diane warren of course uh also never like doesn't date never been in a marriage or a long-term relationship but writes all these fucking relationship heavy never songs been married 
married uh, in a marriage. Okay. Never been in a marriage. I thought is what I said. said Maybe marriage. I fucked it up. Yeah. I, <laughs> Whatever. I, don't don't make fun of the way I talk. Okay. I I just asked a question. <laughs> marriage. It was just funny. It just made me. Marriage. Uh, no, it's, but you, she's just it's for some reason she, she writes she writes all these fucking hits, yeah. all these relationship hits, but she doesn't really have right any perspective on it. I don't get no, it. Oh, it's very strange. Yeah. That's her relationship is like living it out through this song. <laughs> it, is, it is. So I don't know if there's anything else to say about this hit number one. Made them a lot of money. Um, say we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> something about that. It's a weird one. And she does it a couple of times in songs. Yes. It's, it's the pre-course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and every time she sells it the same way. I also think so like it's definitely intentional. This also feels like a kind of a money grab for Grace Slick too, because she's not. Think? <laughs> well, but no even shit. on the even on the album, I don't think it's really about the art because the other guy no. sings a lot of yeah. it. You oh, know, no. she's just kind of in here and there sprinkled in. Some I, I, like, I mean, you know, some of these, you know, I was looking at some of their songs. I don't want, like I said, we won't get too into it, but like, yeah. you know, we built their city on rock and roll. It's like, you built a city like on rock and roll. Is like, it? you know, you, you know, or this song, like, is it about fucking mannequins? Like, if you look at it, like for just like a 30 seconds, <laughs> like this is some weird things they're saying. This is, you could, you could make a case. It's weirder than the stuff they said in the sixties. Let me fuck this dummy. <laughs> <laughs> she won't say no. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, it's so weird. It's really like, weird. And then like building a city on rock and roll and you're like, wait, it doesn't really make like, sense. No. Yeah, no. Like rock and roll. It's, this it's doesn't a, build a city. It's, it's a kind of music. It's really cheesy actually too. If you but think about it. Like, it also like doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It's insane. No. It's like if someone like was saying, someone came and said, Matt, we're going to build a city. But, but, but get this, but not with you know, buildings or, or roads. Or, we're going to build it's a it. new kind of city. Oh, with rock and roll. And you'd be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't. And then, like, you know, I said, fucking mannequin. Like, it's like, oh, well, you really probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, and then, like, you know, it makes the stuff in the 60s almost seem normal. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was very odd. I was, looking, was, through, I was yeah. looking through some of their songs. Like, this is some weird stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the drugs ravaged their brains. But I love oh, how America cool. just bought it. These are number one hits. So America's <laughs> like, we're fine with this. Yeah. This is perfectly okay. You're saying nonsense. <laughs> Play louder. Oh, there's been a lot of nonsense in in fucking Hot 100s though. No, I mean, even true. the more recent ones, like the stupid one we did last Patreon episode, that uh, Angel of Mine or whatever. What's stupid? Yeah, but that, that makes sense though. I get. Yeah, you're right. Someone talking to a. Yeah. I, you know, you can see the song's boring and doesn't really. There's really no point. Pointless song, sure. But these songs don't make any sense. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. This is there's a lot of like trouble going on. I don't here. think Diane Warren knows. I, I don't think she understands she's relationships. So she's just. Yeah. She's just like mimicking what a human relationship yet, would be like people buy into it she has a huge she, yeah i know I mean, she's so huge rich. catalog yeah i know it's crazy i mean she's not the producer jerry Call- callahan podcast she's not Who a could big be. star but right. you know she's you know she's doing the best she can <laughs> yes she is uh oh yeah so this was also nominated for um an academy award and oscar the following year because manic <laughs> platoon came out you know like you know we were talking about a lot oscar movies will come out the end of yeah, the year yeah, yeah, for yeah. so mannequin came out very early it's usually where you dump your garbage movies but this movie actually had kind of a following it did. mannequin was successful made good money and for, uh, uh, for this for type of movie was, yeah 50 million cost, or something. yeah and then so yeah this movie yeah you're right so even though we're talking about it the same week as platoon, they actually were in different Oscars. <laughs> yes. This is funny. Uh, but that's, you know, again, um, it, Armageddon fucking uh, don't want to, whatever that song, uh, another one for Diane Warren yes. where she, she gets, and, uh, uh, she did the, uh, Celine Dion, right? She did uh, Titanic. One of them. Maybe it was that one. She's done. One. She, you're, she probably, you're probably right. It's a, yeah, a ton of them. It's disturbing. Disturbing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she's been nominated for a lot of stuff. She's crazy. Anything else in this uh, song? No, I think that's it. We'll probably run into them again, I would guess. 
Uh, personal story for me, I'll tell yeah. it now because uh, we, you know, we're having Kirk on. Uh, yesterday. Yes, right, yesterday. <laughs> uh, so this is like about a month and a half. What are we in? What are we? We in? are in. Uh, it's basically the right the beginning of April. April, April eighty seven. Yeah, so about a couple months after my sister being born. Um, yeah, my sister. Uh, so me and my sister are seven years apart. Um, it's just the two of us. Um, I had wanted a little brother or sister uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, and um, uh, so she was born. I'm, it, it's when you're that age, you know, you want to play with the baby, you know. But babies are boring, you know. When they're brought home, all they do is sleep. Yeah. So it's. It, I, remember, I remember, like some days, I probably did this this April. You just like be so excited to have this. You know, you have these. You know, you see other people's younger brothers, younger sisters. You have this idea in your mind of what it's going to be. They bring her home. The kid just sleeps all the time. I remember, I remember, I would just like around this time, I would just be, go upstairs in her room and just like stare at her and be like in her crib and be like hoping she'd wake Do up and play. Yeah, and to be like, oh, it's kind of like. So I remember, like, I would start bringing stuff to her. Like, I think I just wanted a buddy so bad. You know, I was an only child. You know, so it's like you want that. So I remember I was around this time I was learning like the capitals and states. Yeah. So I would bring in like a map and I would just like talk to myself, but I was like talking to her like, all right, well, New York is Albany. If we went from Albany to, you know, Bismarck, North Dakota, you know, so you start having was it North Dakota, South Dakota. I haven't remembered the capitals very well, apparently, but well, those are, those are states actually North Dakota and South Dakota. Right. But which one is Bismarck? In? Uh, Bismarck is uh North. Okay. So I guess uh, Pierre South, isn't right. it? Uh, maybe. Wait, wait. No. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Mine. Pierre, no, 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 no. We're terrible at that. <laughs> no, I, I, I would have been in third grade. Oh, <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Uh, I know Sacramento is in California, right? Yeah, of course. So I'd be like, oh, let's go. We can go to Albany, to Sacramento. All right. right. And I was kind of like seeing maps the first time. I thought it was really interesting. Like, oh, look at the states, how the different sizes. And I remember being really like, uh, I think it was like really fascinating. Like, oh, wow, this is like really cool how, you know, every state has its own governor and every state has a capital. I remember just thinking like, oh, this is yeah i really the whole 50 states thing really started to like make sense to me and i remember i would color we had a map we had a color each state got a different like color for a crayon you know we had like a this thing come like a white sheet and you can, so i remember doing that upstairs and talking to her but she didn't she was i she didn't sleep yeah. fuck I was saying, even if she's awake uh but i just i was just, you just wanted to play with you know with have a little sister, a buddy have yeah. like a buddy to play with you know but, especially because you're in new hampshire and there's no york. one around oh wait you were in new york what oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay i was in new york until uh so i'm in new york uh yeah. new york until 89 um but she has so we moved when she was two she was like two and about three months she has no memory obviously of new york new york at all um uh and living there at all she's no memory um but like you know it, it you know you know seven years is a pretty big gap we never went to the same school uh and stratford school where we both went when we went to new hampshire was one through eight so i was a freshman in high school and she was a first grader we never once went to the same school yeah and once you're there like you know nine to you know she's nine you're 16 like such a big such gap and like yeah and you never maturity. go to the same school like yeah. you know we never it was almost like you know we talk now as adults it's almost like we both were in a lot of ways only children yeah um especially for our childhood because well, you're out of the house too and oh yeah you know, a few i mean years. About, we talk about the lost years yeah. you know uh and i'm you know i'm kind of living at home but i'm also all over the place or i might just go live a couple months with a friend to help them pay for rent until they got another roommate to come in or i was just out a lot or whatever and then i you know i have an aunt who's almost as close in age uh, like clo- uh, like she's she's nine years older than me i mean it's not that far yeah, different i mean right and we just had different you know we're eight years apart in school years we're seven years apart in yeah uh, in age and we just had completely different like experiences and we have you know completely different 
you know, we're different generations even. She's a millennial and I'm a, um, a Gen X. She is more on the Gen X side is how she approaches the world. Sure. But, you know, we have, we just had an entirely different, uh, you know, you're right. You, you know, um, when I left the house, really, I'm 17. I was done with high school and I was kind of, you know, she's, she's 10. Yeah. So then like, it's, when, it's then so she, different experience. Then she kind of was an only child right. that back end, you know? Uh, and you no, know, in high school, I was living in Florida. I was, I was out and yeah. doing my own thing. And so, um, but it's nice now. It is, I'm so happy. You know, we always, uh, you know, I'm sure I was definitely, I definitely was, uh, an older brother, you know, especially with my dad dying. You know, he definitely was kind of, yeah. it was more of like a, that kind of relationship sure. where you're kind of like laying down the law more than I think being like a, a Pretty, buddy yeah like yeah. a buddy but it's nice it's so great now that we're both older because like you know, um you know you're hearing this my sister uh my brother-in-law uh, myself and my wife Laura, we're all going to maine for the weekend so we're all going to spend like just a weekend together you know she has three kids which i love dearly but the kids are going to stay with my mom yeah we're just going to have like an adult's weekend and to have fun and um just kind of hang out at the beach in, in, in maine that's fun um but it's so cool to have that and to have also that connection to your past um, you know, while we do have a great age difference, she is also one person that has known me the longest of people that I still really know. Right. Um, so it's nice. It's so great to have that where, uh, you know, Laura and I probably, you know, if we have a kid, probably only have one. Laura's an only child and she doesn't have that same connection. Um, my friend Brian, he's an only child. He, he doesn't have that same connection. So that's the only thing it's like, oh, it is, it is nice to have to have that connection to your past and to have that person you kind of commiserate with, <laughs> with, you know, your parents are driving you crazy or whatever is happening, you know, or, you know, or you could, the kind of person you could tell, like I sent my sister, like a really mean joke about someone else today. And, um, you could be, you know, because it's family, you can basically say anything and sure. you won't offend them and they'll joke right back to you. It's nice right. to have that. Cause you know, there aren't too many people in the world. You know, I have some close friends. I can do that with them. Lucky. But even so, we're talking, you know, a half dozen people I can... It's a small group, yeah. That you can really just say whatever you want to and know that no matter what, they'll still care about you. And, um, that is a very interesting point. Yeah, I, I, you know, knowing my sister, I've known her her entire life. She, we're much closer. She's about a year and a half younger than me. But yeah, she's known me, besides right. my mom, like she's long, known me way longer than anybody else. It's crazy to think about that, that like seeing every single progression of my life as i've seen hers yeah. your siblings and your cousins are really the greatest connection you'll have to your past because when your parent you know one day you know our parents will be gone and it'll just be us and who do we have these you know without having our siblings or you know if you're close to your cousin whatever who do you have who do you share that experience yeah who can you talk to about this otherwise you're just having the memory alone which is which is sad so it is sad. it's nice to have it's nice for me to have a. Uh, and you know we get along great, and you know we, yeah, yeah. you know I know some people don't get along with their siblings, you know, uh, and you know it's never easy because it's always you know it's always underlying family, you know, bull, you know there's always bullshit with families, and it's always you know everyone kind of remembers things maybe a little differently or whatever has their own interpretations of things, especially when there's a big age difference. Sure, but you know, if, but it's also someone who kind of grew up the same way you did, more or less. Yeah, and or it's still um, the same values. I always like you know. If you don't get along with your siblings, and sometimes it's you know some people have difficult situations, whatever. But if you can work it out, work it out with them because you know you don't you don't get too many of them. So if you're lucky to have them and they're still healthy and you know do what you, that's you know that's that's. But luckily, my sister and I get along great, you know, and and uh, and her the guy she married, Andy's a great guy. Yeah, um, he's like a friend, you know, more than a brother-in-law. So uh, it's you know he's it's it's great. So uh, it's nice. It's, I'm so I'm very lucky where I have that because I know some people don't. Um, but yeah, so this time uh, I was a little kid, probably staring at a crib board. <laughs> okay, um, I think that's it. Okay, we're back um, next week. Yeah, with three. Kind of. Well, it's kind of. Well, three over the two next in two it, weeks. Right, yeah. Yeah.
but at least it'll be it'll be the yeah theme. we'll be back on saturday with wayne's world yeah. and then we'll follow it up with basic instinct and uh the next week we'll have my cousin Vinny. i guess is kind of the plan yeah i'm afraid oh my god yeah i mean that's the plan we're gonna stick to if like one thing goes wrong i'm so fucked well that's been we've been teetering on the edge for there's been t- other times in the last I couple know. months where that's happened as well and we just made it work and it's we fine did, i know i know uh, right 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 yeah well we'll see i mean i think we'll be okay if something happens it happens i think we'll be okay yeah we haven't not been able to do a show that we were committed to doing ever no but this is like because just with me being like out of pocket and we don't like to do it remote no it's have we done one remote we've done one remote we did it was do a one. really bad snowstorm and i wasn't feeling well i was afraid i was like, yeah oh, it was COVID i might stuff, have right? covid and it was a snowstorm like I didn't have COVID, but I was like, I didn't feel well. I'm like, and we were up against it. So we, we did it remote. I um, barely and, remember that. And I, I, it was not, a, I don't it's like not that. good. It's not a good episode. It's one of our five worst. And I just, it's just not the same show. No, it's not fun. This should be fun. And it's not fun to do it remote. I'm experiencing that now with the Jerry Callahan show. But that probably will be short lived. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it just makes such a difference. I think he'll see really see that having too. a studio makes a world difference like it's yeah i, I don't know how some i don't know how i give jerry all the credit i don't know how you he could have done it so long being remote. i understand it's you know a lot of shows had to go remote yeah there was necessity absolutely um you know we're like, the pandemic. We, we haven't but um uh and kirk hasn't either i think kirk you know with kms they they did the same kind of yeah just decided early on they'll be careful in their own families and then you know just just do the best kind of see each other as a part of the family kind of and i know right and it's, it's definitely a big sacrifice but like for, you know for for us it was just like eh, you know we don't have kids yeah uh, and all four of us you know our work wives from home. all work from home so it's like eh, it's really not a big deal for us to do no. a, uh remote and we live pretty close to each other so it wasn't a big deal but um it's i think it's really helped our show i i it's so hard to do because the timing it off, sucks the delay it's the technology isn't quite there yet no it's, it's really frustrating. No, it doesn't sound good, and it, there's it's not it's just not as fun. But like when you and Jerry get in the studio, it's gonna be way better. When you guys I can, I don't think he quite. I mean, he know like um, no comparison to what was going on in EEI. I had great partners there and all, so he I know he has that experience. But I just think his experience with his podcast for the most part has been has been remote. kind of remote, and then he's had to really carry a lot of the brunt of of the shows too. Um, I mean, he would have guests on and stuff, but. I think I think he's gonna. I think it'll make him happy. Hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that he'll he'll see like, oh yeah, this is like way better, and be psyched to continue to do it that way. I think he will. I think so too. Yeah, I think I yeah, and I know in Jerry. I mean, Jerry's been doing this for so long. I'm oh sure. God, yeah. I'm sure he's very very aware of what makes you know, you know how it sounds. How it sounds like. Yeah, he's been doing this you know, since I was in high school. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he he gets it for sure, and that, that's I think it's gonna be really fun. I can't wait to hear the shows when you guys are in the same room. Yeah, it's gonna be really. I think fun that'll be fun. Uh, I look forward to doing it. Yeah, uh, which I think yeah, people might even get to hear sooner than they think too. I think so. Based on when this episode's coming out. So. Oh yeah, 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 should, yeah, should be. That, that's it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, I guess we'll be back uh, next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>